0: Heroes, highlights and hardships with Triple M's Rush Hour. Welcome back to the Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell. This is the Three H's podcast, hero, highlight and hardship from one of our favourite guests. And we've got Mark Tubby-Taylor in. Tubby, thank you so much for joining us. Have you got a hero, one or two, off-field, on-field, that you can tell us about and why they were so important to you? Well, my hero or heroes,
1: when I was coming up through the grades of cricket, or any left-handed batsman. Mm. Um, so my first ever hero back in the old World Series cricket days uh, was Rod Marsh. Oh, yes. Um, probably because we have similar physiques. <laughs> uh, shortish, a bit more rounded than most. Um, but uh, I'd like to think we played the same way, swashbuckling, you know, <laughs> big hitters of the ball, mm. all sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. My first ever cricket bat I bought was a... St. Peter, SP flatback, had Rod Marsh's signature on it. Nice. Bought that from Lawrence's sports store in Wagga. Uh so all that because of Rod Marsh. So then when I moved to Sydney, it was Alan Border, Kepler Vessels, Graham Wood. Yeah. Any anyone who was left-handed, particularly top of the order batsman, I used to follow and try and mimic the way they played
0: with Graham Wood. Did you end up cancelling him? Did he was running between the wickets, or did he stay as got, a hero? I got a feeling I might have uh, re- replicated some of his
1: running, <laughs> um, <laughs> particularly in Adelaide <laughs> Oval Test matches, where I got run out twice or both innings on two separate occasions. Oh no! Just to prove it wasn't a fluke. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> was there a stage where you met Rod Marsh as a as a junior coming through? When was the first time yeah. you can remember meeting him?
1: Well, see, around the the, the old. Cricket Academy, it was called, Centre yeah. of Excellence days. That sort of came in after I'd already made it. But by that stage, I'd met Rod. And he ended up becoming, a, a obviously, ran this Centre of Excellence for years, became a selector. Produced a lot of players yeah. over the journey, hasn't it? And uh, so I've got a play a bit of golf. I think I played golf once or twice with Rod also. Yeah, so I was lucky enough to meet him. Uh, lovely bloke. Obviously, a sad loss yeah. um, in recent times. So, in a way, that's one thing that's always terrific about you know, making it a to the top level in a sport, all of a sudden these people you see as heroes, if you're lucky enough, you get to meet them. Mm. Other people like Ian and Greg Chappell and Ian is a very good mate of mine these days. You get to work with them, Richie Benno, all Mm. these sorts of stuff. These people I've been lucky enough to meet, spend some time with, share a few stories with and actually just see them as human beings rather than sort of cricket icons. Mm. So, yeah, that's been one of the, I suppose, one of the great joys of playing cricket for Australia and then working in the media afterwards. I was going to say, when you, when we watch cricket, we, we all love our cricket. You go around the world, but
3: even, um, you know, players from other countries and that, you know, you, I think, you know, yeah, Ian Botham was on the call team. I love listening to Trippin' on the call team. Yeah. And then you guys get Laviv like Richards and stuff. For you, is there, you know, when you go around the world and stuff and you don't always get on, get on with that person, you know? So yeah. do you
1: just avoid him say hello, you know? Because it, it happens in rugby league as well. Yeah. There's That's obviously it. people you like more than others. Yeah. Some you generally, you know, just, if you're not a big fan of them, just stay clear. There's very few people I absolutely dislike, that I wouldn't say g'day to. Yeah. But as you know, you tend to spend more time with the people you like. For sure. Actually, beefy Ian both Yeah. He was Newcastle Sports Ground. My second year of playing state cricket, long way of playing for Australia at this stage. We played England. New South Wales played England in a game. Wow. First day, we bowled them out and we are batting. Oh, I think I got out. But at the end of the day's play, the New South Wales guys say, we've got to go into the England change rooms for a beer. And I thought, oh, I didn't know any of the English players. So in I go and I'm standing at the back of the room and there's a bit of a circle formed around the eskies, as you can imagine, (laughs) which were full of soda water and other things. (laughs) Um, I'm standing back there and Ian Botham was sitting on one of the eskies and actually looked at me and my nickname in those days was Stodge because everyone thought I was just a stodgy opening batsman and they're probably right actually. (laughs) Uh, But uh, He he says Stodge, he said, over here. And he moved across on the esky, grabbed a can out, gave me a can of beer and, and I sat down next to Ian Botham wow. and I never forgot that. Yeah. And I think from that moment on I that's always it. liked him and yeah. always, and I enjoy catching up with him today.
0: And, that's of course, awesome. you probably took that role on with other younger players, knowing how much it affected you, seeing yeah. him bring you in. You brought others in when you were in his position. Yeah, and, and and that's the
1: the way I think sporting teams and probably teams in general should be. There's, there's always going to be a certain hierarchy. That people have played more games and become, you know, so-called legends or champions of the game. But I think the more you can keep your, your feet on the ground, you enjoy the game more. And and young people, young people love it. If, if, if you make that effort, mm. there's no doubt that it certainly made me feel quite special, mm. made me feel like I'm part of this alumni of cricketers. And you know, said so it's something, as I said, I can recall that story today. Yeah. That was in my second year of first class cricket, 1986.
2: Wow. Uh, what about that stage where you get the call up from first grade first-class cricket to, to playing for Australia. What's Ooh. What was that what was that call like?
1: A bit nerve-wracking, actually, to start with, because I was playing the West Indies too here in Ooh. Sydney. Oh, dear. I was – I nearly got – I got a call up – well, I thought I got a call up in 86, 87 when the Peter Taylor got picked and there was this Peter Who thing where they – That's right, they, yeah. they, they, where people thought it might have been me and then Peter Taylor was picked.
0: Good player, Peter Taylor, just yeah. quietly. Yeah, and, a, and a
1: good mate of mine. I played great cricket with PT, so yeah. the weird thing was that Two years later, I do get the call up. We're playing Victoria at the MCG, and I get the tap on the shoulder. Mark, you're in for the fourth Test wow. against the West Indies. They're up three 0 on the series, and they just rolled Steamy. us. They just rolled us at the MCG at one Boxing.
0: <laughs> Who day. did you replace in that team, Tubbs?
1: Um, now, Graham Wood. About oh like yeah, Wood. So, yeah, he, he had, had to go Wood. eventually. He, <laughs> he was he was batting about uh, five, I think, four or five in that in the Boxing Day Test. Um, but they moved me in to open the batting with Jeff Marsh, and that's the first time Booney uh, went and batted number three. Uh, And that's where they made the change. I played those two tests and then went to England and played from there Well, of course,
0: England was just wonderful for you. We can turn a few of those things you've already spoken about into highlights, but is there a highlight in particular, one or two off the field, on the field? Oh,
1: there's a lot, Mm. Um, fortunately. I played in a great era of of Australian cricket where – uh, we went from sort of contenders to number one. And I suppose that the, that's my first highlight was the West Indies, 1995, being captain of that side uh, that beats the West Indies. Hmm. We go over there as, as sort of underdogs. They beat us 4-1 in the one-day series. Uh, everyone says, oh, it'll be just business as usual. Australia won't be able to get them. And we, we won the first test at Barbados, uh, then lost at Trinidad on a pitch that was the guy forgot the mower. Um, <laughs> The, the, the gra- Seriously, the grass, the grass was over an inch long, and I'm not I'm not making that up. Wow! Uh, he just he just dropped the, a roller on it, so it laid flat and said, "Right, we tossed the coin." Yeah, man. They were high, I think the highest.
0: Think, you can say that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we um, for, yeah, as usual, we we lost a toss, uh, so we bowled first. Out for a hundred, bowled them out for a hundred and ten, something like that. hundred and thirty. <laughs> we were none down. 30 in our second inning. So, we actually, scores level, we've got 10 wickets in the shed. We got bowled out for 100 again, <laughs> and they chased 70 or 80 and got them one down, one by nine wickets, all over in about two and a bit days. So, it was one all. We go to uh, Sabina Park in Jamaica, and we get them there, and we, we knock them over there. So, to win the series 2 1, to sort of. In those days, there was no rankings or official mm. rankings. So, the way you ranked a side was you got to beat them at, on their patch. Yeah, so you sort of beat them on their patch, you became the the next, the number one. So we beat them on their patch and everyone said, righto, they're now the side to beat. Mm. So that was certainly highlight, not a big highlight.
3: Toby, so when you speak about highlights, you know, you, you, you talk about, you, you know, you're obviously not yourself. As captain... A bloke like Warnie and that, the blokes, you know, with egos who are different, you know, yeah. how do you control them? Because I know blokes like that are a little bit different. They're, they're hard yeah. to contain. What don't you
0: just say blokes like me? <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: say that. <laughs> but, but, you know. He did say egos. Yeah, didn't yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But also he was a rock star. He knew what he was doing, you know, and then not yeah. just on the pitch but off the pitch. He just, you know, and Gus told me a couple of stories in and around, you know, comment, commentating with him and that. He just had it. Like how do you control
1: someone like that? Well, Warnie was easy. Okay. Because he just he loved it. Mm. He, he just loved playing. And for all the stuff that went on in his life away from the game, the, 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 talk about control, the cricket was one thing that was control. It was something that was, you know, you had to be there at 10.30 or 10 o'clock in the morning and you played till 6 o'clock. So in a way that, that structure around yeah. playing the game was perfect for him and he just loved it. Loved competing, loved bowling his leg. He's loved intimidating batsmen without bowling bounces and he's one of the few bowlers, I've seen slow bowlers, who could do that. Um, most slow bowlers don't intimidate you out. They might get you out. Mm. They don't tend to intimidate you out. I've seen warning intimidate guys out bowling 90Ks an hour. That's awesome.
2: Toby, when you made 334 not out, I mean…
1: He doesn't like to have, talk about yeah, it. No, right? no, no. I yeah. I just Have got say, 12 hours? No, <laughs> Let's start through. Let's
2: go ball one. Yeah. yeah. No, I just want Franklin to say, Cross. like, how <laughs> confident are you on the early stages of that innings where you go, gee, I'm seeing him well?
1: No, I wasn't. You I scratched around for I, a bit. I got early. off the mark with an inside edge… <laughs> I over, went over middle stump for four. That's how I got off the mark. I got dropped two or three times before I got to 30. None of them were oh, – I hit one to short cover off a spinner that should have got caught. The other ones – it was one that was down the leg side and the other was a, a lowish catch somewhere. So they weren't easy catches, but I could have easily been out for sub-20, uh, but then sort of got on a bit of a roll and the pitch was – I tell people it was doing everything. It might have been reasonably flat. <laughs> well, we made four for five ninety nine, so it wasn't a bad deck. Uh, and then just got in the groove. And I was actually, this will surprise some listeners, that I was actually very fit. I'd trained a lot uh, with a guy named Kevin Chevelle, who Dell might know, a guy at a gym out at Penrith. i yeah, trained yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been really hard with him, sort of five, six days a week fantastic. leading into that series. So I was pretty fit. So when I got to sort of into the 100s and 200s, and it was hot, it was Peshawar, Northern Pakistan, um, I was starting to feel it a bit, but I looked around at their guys and they were just gone. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, if I don't fall over here, it just runs for, for jam. So I just kept going and going and going as long
0: as I could and Amazing. obviously glad I did. Well so done, that decision overnight, you know, to actually declare and to retire yourself on the same number as Don Bradman, mm-hmm. a lot of people say that, that was a decision made by yourself and the team. Was it made by... How did that come about? Because that ended up being a really legendary sort of call.
1: Yeah, in the end it was made just pretty much by me because um, the team all said, Tubby, you know, whatever you do won't worry us. You know, that was the general feeling from the guys.
0: Because mm. you tried to score the runs the night before, didn't you? Like it you, it was a great bit of fielding that stopped it yeah. staying at 334. Well,
1: that's right. The last over I was started on 332, hit a couple of singles with putter, Ricky mm. Ponting, oh. who made 75, very young Ricky Ponting. <laughs> and got to 334, had two balls left to get to to 3.35 and I hit one straight to a field and the next one I hit in a gap and Ejaz Ahmed knocked it down. If they'd had gone through, it was one if not two or three or four, I'd have taken the runs. No, yeah. no, nothing sure. It would have been 3.35, not out or whatever. But so that night I had an opportunity then to sit down and think about what I was going to do. I think ideally I would have liked to have batted on just for 20 minutes just to put them out in the field for day three mm. Uh, having gone yeah. that far, put him out again, just mentally might yeah, get a I wicket say, yeah. just because they're going, oh, here we go again. Mm. But that's when I thought about the score. I thought if I do that, people only assume that I batted on because I wanted to get past Bradman's score, mm. which had really not – it had plenty to do with it, but in a way nothing to do with it. It was about um, what was the best way we could win a game of cricket. And we always said – the other thing that came into, the, into calculations was we always thought if we make 600 runs in a test match – and that's in two innings, you tend to win more than mm. you lose. And we were four for 599. So I thought, well, we've got 600 runs. We'd won the first test. Uh, so I thought, here's a chance to win this test and win the series. Mm. And they made 582 or something, <laughs> um, and we filled it for two days as well. So <laughs> after day four, I was thinking
0: we should have batted yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So there's some highlights there. Is there another highlight you want to throw in there before we go to a hardship? No, I said yeah. I think the other highlight was obviously going to be my 334, mm.
1: and I think just being named as an Australian player. Probably mm. particularly not so much for the first couple of tests I had here against the West Indies, but more so on the Nash's Tour of 89, mm-hmm. where you know, it was... To go on an Ashes tour, especially that team, that 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 tour was the most enjoyable. A, I played well myself, but more importantly, we went over there as this side that was supposed to be the world's, well, one of the worst Ashes sides to leave Australian shores. We won 4-0. Mm. And by the end of it, England were in disarray and we were on the up and up. And I think 89 Ashes was a, a real turning point in Australian history around that time.
0: I spoke to Ian Botham um, during the week, that he's here now in, in Melbourne yeah. enjoying a few... Wines yes. looking forward to the summer. Yeah. He said to me when he got picked for England, they had to they had to pull over on the motorway because they were travelling from yeah. one county game to another, and it was only ever put on the radio. Mm. And some cars didn't have radio. So sometimes it was a tranny from the car that they'd sort of have to find a spot, jiggle the it, thing, there, and there, to it. get and to find out if you're in the team or not. How did you find out if you're in well, the so team? I got told I think as I said, I was in
1: Melbourne for the for the Shield game when I first got picked to play the test match here at Sydney against the West Indies, and I think someone in, a team manager or something, or it might have been the coach, said to me, "Tubby, you're in the team. That's how I found out I was in the Australian team originally. But the Ashes uh, squad, which was 17 players in those days, I found out exactly the same way you talked about. I was uh, driving into, um, uh, I think, state training at the SCG, pulled over, put the radio on. ABC, and, was it? Yeah, 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 and listened to all the names. And be, being Taylor, I was one of the last names. I had to yeah. go through... Alderman, yeah. Border, Boone, oh, you know, and, and Marsh, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it was, and it gets to, I, I can't think of, RRS, and then I'm thinking, and then it was Mark Taylor went, oh, you beauty, I'm in. Wow. And then Steve oh, War, Yeah. Cool. yeah so I think Steve might have been the last name on the list. So myself and Steve had to wait till the last two of the, almost the 17 Brilliant. to find out we're in.
2: Tubby, what about a hardship across your career and maybe away from the cricket pitch as well? I mean, has there been any hardships that you have drawn on and, and learned from?
1: Oh, look, hardship's probably too harsh a word. I've had a pretty good life in, mm. in the game of cricket. I had some hard times, yes, particularly uh, in 97. I I'd, I had a really lean run with the bat, went good six, eight months without making a test 50. You know, probably, it was probably longer than that, but I, there was a big break in there somewhere of three or four months also. And as captain, every time I went to the the press, they asked me about the form, you know, when are you going to turn it around? I felt like saying, well, if I bloody well knew that, I'd, I'd be <laughs> doing something about it, you know. I had doctors writing me letters and giving me, you know, come and get a free eye check, we'll, we'll test your reflexes, we'll, you know, all this sort of stuff. I had all sorts of advice about how to make some runs. But you just know it's just it's one of those games, cricket, where it's amazing when you're, when you're going well, people drop you. Mm, yeah. um, the, the inside edge just misses the stumps. Um, a, a mistimed pull shot doesn't carry to fine leg. And when you're out of form, everything seems to go against you. I had balls go off the bottom of my bat, onto my toe, back onto the stumps. I had blokes, should be in circuses almost, (laughs) taking great catches everywhere. You just find ways of getting out. Uh, So that was, 97 was a tough time for me.
2: That mental game though, to walk out to the crease when you feel like the world is upon you and the pressure and it must be some mental demons at that stage to try and overcome, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, we went to England in 97 and I was under Huge, I was under the pump, the press were at me. Uh, um, so the first test, we played Edgbaston um, and we bat first and I'm thinking, well, just be positive. Well, I nicked one off Devon Malcolm, second slip, out. Oh, yeah. We get bowled out for 120, they make 470. Oh. So we're all of a sudden now, and, and, we're, and we're supposed to be world champions and I'm thinking, this is not going well. <laughs> second innings, I went out there and I thought, well, if I don't make runs here, I'm, I'm going to have to think about leaving myself out of the team. But I walked out and I just looked around the field and actually looked at the people in the stands and I could see that the English fans were cheering and I think they were cheering as much for me. They wanted their side to win, but they they just didn't like people who were struggling like that. Mm. And I thought, well, get out there and just enjoy it. That's all you can do. Try and take all the other clutter that's in the back of my mind, just try and enjoy it. Get them to bowl to me. Don't play any wild shots. Just go back to game A, which was for me, let the ball go. Wait till they bowl somewhere on the stumps. Hopefully, dripped into leg and worked the ball leg side. Well, I got to fifty off about sixty, two or three balls. Because they they were because I was playing so badly, I think they tried too hard to bowl me out, and they bought a lot of my pads. I got a lot of runs through the leg side. Got to fifty, and I thought, oh, whew, pressure's off a bit. Then I relaxed and made hundred. Mm. We still got beaten by nine wickets, mind you, in the game. They hammered us. But I went to the press that night uh, after the game, and all of a sudden the media were. Oh, Mark, great game. Geez, things. <laughs> and I'm thinking, hey, we lost. Yeah. We got, but we're down 1 0 in Ashes' series. But I think that relaxed me, it relaxed the team. We went on to to bounce back and win that series.
3: Well, I've been lucky enough to uh, play a few golf days, uh, for just golf days, and I've won one or two of something. Oh You didn't want to mention that. No, did no, you? no. But uh, and, and also in and around the Dragons, mate, hardship. How's right. it been with the Dragons? Because I think they're obviously getting you on board to have a look at what's been going on that setup. We haven't won a premiership since two thousand and ten, and it's been a rough couple of years.
1: It's been a rough couple of years as a supporter, mate. I know mm. that. No, I, I haven't done anything at this stage because everyone's on holidays. Yeah. But uh, I've been in in contact with Shane yep. uh, Flanagan. Yep. He's, he wants me to come along to a training session, which I'll do at some stage when they get back into it. At this stage, I think it's just to be around, yeah. to have a chat with some of the boys, which I'm, as I've said to Flano, I'm more than happy to do. If he thinks it's going to help, I'd love to do that because I'd love to see the side turn around. And I think I think they will. They had obviously a disappointing year uh, this year. For sure. But, I, but just watching them, I, I didn't think they played that better. They were in a lot of games but just couldn't work out how to win. Leadership. That's what they need. And then, you know,
3: there's no one better in and around sport than you. Speaking of
2: leadership, we know the Triple M cricket in the commentary box. I mean, uh, but we also know that you two are doubles partners for the… <laughs> the
0: unbeaten. Yeah, unbeaten. Yeah, unbeaten. Oh, but, I mean, two games.
1: Took, down the, st- <laughs> took steps, down the BBC. Who steps he's as leader
2: here? Because he's got a bit of a head wobble yeah. sometimes. Oh, and I think yeah. he tread on your toes a little yeah. bit too much.
1: It, like, oh, Tubby is the what, man.
2: From what I understand, you carry him a fair bit. Oh,
1: well, it's interesting you should mention that. <laughs> First day of Triple M cricket, right? We're in a, we're in a hub. In Don't look like, at me for support. You're about to bag me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I just, just think it's important the listeners know this <laughs> um, how this leadership thing came about. We're we're in a hub because we you know, because it was COVID couldn't be at the ground. We're in a hub in Melbourne doing That's the right. game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Mitchell Starks not far off running in to bowl the first ball the Ashes series, and uh, you and Giles you, you all know you yeah. Says, right boys, we're going to put our big three on to start with. Well, Gus, he's straight out of his chair. Oh. So it's heading towards the and, – and Ewan has to sort of step in. Yeah. And sort of say – he says, well, it's um, um, Brayshaw. Yeah. Blewett and Taylor. Well, Gus, he stormed out. Stormed
3: out. Did you really, Gus? He would have. He big head.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was so silly. So that'll
2: be your time. He's looking at our producer now, so (laughs) cut this out.
0: That's enough from you, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) mate. Hey, Tubby. I am just making that up. (laughs) That's good. I love you, mate. And can't wait for this summer, of course. We'll be there in Perth from the 14th of December. Pakistan, then the West Indies Series. We'll be going test cricket to the end of January. Yeah. Over Australia Day. So lots of... Fun to be had,
1: yeah, and I hope Pakistan really show up and yeah, play yeah. well because we need them
0: to show up and play well,
3: and West Indies too, because yeah. both those countries, mate, yeah, yeah they, rocks need,
0: and they certainly need to lift the 3H's podcast with Mark Taylor. Thanks for joining us, mate. Pleasure, right, mate. Cheers. Pleasure. The Rush Hour with Gus, Jude, and Wendell.